This Choircast podcast episode is brought to you by the Messy Spirituality Podcast. Hey, this is Jason Elam. Join Lola Robbins, Kyle Butler, and me for the Messy Spirituality Podcast, where we try to empower your spiritual evolution with honest conversation about how to be a better human, taking a critical look at toxic Bible stories, and look behind the headlines for growth opportunities underlying current events. Hey, it's a bisexual hairstylist who escaped a cult, a black mystic, and a recovering Southern Baptist preacher. What could possibly go wrong? Check out the Messy Spirituality Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to Apostates Anonymous, the show you turn to when you're no longer an evangelical. With your hosts, hosts authors Keith Giles and Matthew J. DiStefano. Hey, welcome back to Yet another edition of Apostates Anonymous. I think we're actually pushing 100 episodes officially, mm-hmm. officially, unofficially. Um, mm-hmm. I have not kept a good track of the count. I've noticed that. But anyway, happy, happy, happy new year, everyone. We hope it's, um, we hope it's a hopeful one. Keith, say hi. Hey, everybody. Yes, another episode of this, uh, this podcast. We just Why we, we don't stop. know. We can't quit you. We can't. I won't quit you, Keith. I won't quit. <laughs> I won't quit you. Was there anything anything exciting on the horizon? I um, hmm. I'm sure there are a few things. Any news and so notes? many things. Well, um, as far let's see. Well, I, I'm working on the galley at the moment of the uh, my book, the Quantum Sayings of Jesus, uh, decoding the lost uh, sayings of Thomas, uh, Gospel of Thomas. It looks great. By the way, I say, just want to say, yeah, it looks fantastic. So Good. far, I've only found very minor little tweaks. Um, but yeah, it's really, I'm really excited about it. It's long. It's my, it will definitely be my longest book ever. It's oh like my gosh. 61 pages. Or yeah. Something. It's pushing 400 pages, bro. I just kept, it's like yeah, 114 <laughs> of these sayings. Jesus, why are you talking so much, man? <laughs> yeah. I blame Jesus. Blame uh, he, Jesus. he had a lot to say. Um, but no, that's, that's kind of cool. I mean, that won't be out till like April or something, but, um, excited about that. And, um, we are, choir is publishing a, a Quran, uh, with on today, on the day you listen to this, if you're listening on launch day of this podcast, then you're yes. also listening on the launch day of the Quran By with Safi your friend, Kaskas. my friend now, your friend, Safi Kaskas. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Safi Kaskas. Uh, it's the second edition It's an updated edition to his, um, uh, it's a commentary on right. uh, the Quran, but it's he's a great person. Great and guy, his original translation, community. correct? Um, I believe so. Yeah. Yes, well, but uh, check that out. And outside so of our out, and outside then, of our wheelhouse, here we are. That's right. Um, you know what I mean? Look, pushing the boundaries. Right again, that's we right. want to just hammer home the idea that choir. We are not a Christian publisher. We publish. We just publish great books. Sometimes they happen to have Christian content but not necessarily. Um, And then, uh, yeah. And then there's this, this other little podcast that we do sometimes called heretic happy hour. And uh, now there's a book or there will be a book. There will Um, be a book on the 23rd. Yeah. Yeah. 
Who, who's cool. who's included in there? Rain Wilson, John Fugelsang, Carlton uh, Pearson, the, the, uh, rest in peace. Carlton Pearson, late, yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, uh, I think Cindy Wong Grant, yep. Justin Lang, Yvette Cantu-Snyder. Um, so many. So many. I can't remember her. There's some, oh, oh, Benjamin Corey. Yeah. Benjamin Corey's in there. Very cool. So uh, lots of people. Like, it's amazing. There's yeah. so many people we've interviewed on the podcast over the years. And this is only volume one. So there is enough for at least one more, maybe two more Watch volumes. Um, if you like that. So it's cool because it's like, you know, that we know that there's some people that can't listen to podcasts, but they have hearing issues. Um, but even if you do listen to the podcast, but you would like sort of a collection of some of those interviews, you want to refer to them. Uh, there's a lot of great wisdom and insight mm-hmm. in those conversations. So, yeah, we're And who knows, this podcast might, I, I have the plan eventually on um, putting together, when I was writing solo on this without the illustrious, the, 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 the mm-hmm. great Keith Giles. Um, by the way, I, I think I saw some videos of you from like when you had a nice full beard. You look good with a beard, oh. I got to tell you. Uh, Thank you. Just, just Thank thought you. I'd say that. Um, I was planning on doing. I have a beard now. What are you saying? I, I know, but it was like right full. Now. It was like fuller back. It was. It I did let it grow. I, I was going Grizzly Adams a little bit uh, for a while, cool. and then cool I just looking. yeah, then I shaved. Yeah, well, it probably itches, huh? Um, it's just I don't like it. It's too bulky. It makes my face look <laughs> too big. <laughs> they look sweet. Um, what was I saying? Oh, when I was riding solo without without you, I have the you know the interviews that I did, and I was thinking of maybe doing that as a book eventually, but um, add yeah. it to the pile, right? That could be cool. But I, I see, I also, so we should do that. But I think there should definitely be down the road a version of Apostates Anonymous that is really just you and I bantering. Yeah, that would like be, your bonfire sessions. That would be good too. Yeah. And then we could also maybe include the text of our, our ads in between the chapters. As a, little, our, a, little re, a little refrain. That's right. Yeah. I should have kept between, those scripts. Just to break it up, just to cleanse the palate, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of that, I guess we do have a we have a sponsor for this oh, episode. What a as transition! Well. God damn it! You're for a all the people that are actually just kind of like, yeah, get on with get it. Get onto the ad so I can ad get on with so my I can day. turn this off. <laughs> Hello, friends. This is Buford T. Milgram, pastor of the Backwater Baptist Bible Fellowship in Bowling Green, Kentucky, and I want to talk to you about STDs. Many of you may already know that most over-the-counter condoms do not stop the most dangerous STD of all, sexually transmitted demons. That's why our Wednesday Night Prayer Warriors have created the only condoms on the market designed specifically to stop the transfer of demons through your Johnson. Presenting EFOD, the first anti-demon rubbers featuring the red letters of the Gospels printed directly across the entire surface. Now, we all know sex is a spiritual transaction and that demons need female eggs to produce spiritual children in the water kingdom. That's why every single one of our unique condoms have been uniquely blessed with a powerful hedge of protection to keep demons out of your hoo-ha and Satan off your ding-dong. Now, friends, we know that preventing an unwanted pregnancy with birth control is the last thing you want to do when it comes to sex because children are a blessing from the Lord and we would never want to give our kids access to condoms that encourage them to have sex outside of wedlock. So our patented anti-demon condoms are perforated to ensure that semen gets out, but demons stay away. Go to www.keepsatanoffmydingdong.com today and save 25% off your first order of EFODs so you can keep your bed undefiled. 
Well, 2024 is off to a good start for the ads. Uh, and and yes, I must say, once again, believe it or not, that idea for that ad is inspired by an actual, an actual post by a real human being who actually does believe that. Okay. Um, I want to shout out to April of Joy because she shared something that she found, she came across where this guy was saying that. And, the, and specifically the part that I said about the, 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 the demons need a female egg to, to create children in the water kingdom, like that, that exact line, which by the way, I nearly burst out laughing when I was reading it. Uh, that, that is a direct quote from the post. So it, it's just so wackadoodle. I, I couldn't pass it up. I had to do an ad. Um, but before we get demonetized, I would like to say, please, um, do not use condoms with, don't, don't cut holes <laughs> in your condoms. No, but see, it's the collision. This is the thing, right? So there are Christians who do believe this, right? They're, so like Christians that are like, you know, uh, anti-abortion, I, I've talked to these people. They're like, they're against birth control. I actually had a, a guy tell me that because Wendy and I used the pill when we first got married, that we, we were abortionists, that we had, we had created an abortionist. Like it's any, a whole philosophy. <laughs> oh yeah. It's, so any, any kind of birth control is abortion in the, in the extreme uh, anti-abortion mindset. And so I know there are Christians who would say, well, we don't want to create, we don't want to pass out condoms because again, that'll encourage young people to, to want to have sex outside of wedlock. So I, I, it, I, it's this collision of things, but at the same time, they do believe that you, you can have sex with someone and transfer a demon through sex. So like, so how to solve this problem? Well, you have to have a, a special spiritual condom, but you got to make sure that condom, you know, isn't birth control because that's bad, right? So it's this collision of ideas where you've got to like, somehow it makes sense in their minds. So I'm not going to tell you who to vote for on this show, but just remember that people vote. Um, so <laughs> Those people. Keep that in mind. People that these, who think that way are registered to vote. The, yes. And they might vote for someone or That's some people right. who don't have your best interests in mind. Um, <laughs> yes. Anyway. Um, so order, order those ephods, though. I mean, imagine ephods. how cool it would be to have a condom printed with scripture, like right, right down the shaft. Yeah, I don't know. I got, how cool is that? I got I got snipped, son, so I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> you got snipped. Well, there, see, uh, well, that's cheating. It's not cheating. It's genius. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, cool. Yeah, cool. Well, I guess there's no transition, easy transition to the topic of and today. So speaking, of, speaking of the red letters that are printed on the condom, let's talk about Jesus. Is that how you want to do that? That's a that's the transition. Okay. There you go. <laughs> Who is Jesus to you? To follow to follow the condoms. Who is Jesus yes. to you? It's an interesting it's question. It's the most natural thing. Um, well, it's normally not an interesting question, but I think because the context of it is Katie on, on Heretic Happy Hour asking folks, our heretics of the week, um, you know, some of them, most of them post-deconstruction. It becomes an interesting question again on the other side of evangelicalism or Reformed theology or whatever you're deconstructing from um, into either a different version of Christianity or post-Christianity um, or even atheism. Because I right. think asking atheists who is Jesus to you is also an interesting question. Um, yes, but we're not atheists because, here because today. Many of them, but yeah, we're not we're not atheists. Um, that's its own other topic, right? We talked about yeah. this by how, how it, it's so annoying to me 
when atheists and I have friends who are atheists who will uh, are are just determined to just relentlessly post things that say that Jesus never existed. Could you imagine them being that insane. passionate about like Plato never existed or Socrates never right. existed? Socrates never like, existed. This is a weird hill to die on. Um, <laughs> it really is. Like you realize yeah. you don't have to believe everything theologically about something to like acknowledge that someone existed. Right. You could you could acknowledge that Jesus was an historical person without right. believing he walked on water or that he raised people from the dead. It, it would be like or, yeah. it would be like saying, well, because Santa Claus doesn't exist, we're going to go vehemently against Saint Nicholas from back in the day. Say that guy didn't right. exist. It's like, well, Saint Nicholas never existed. Um, he was made. He was invented. Okay. Yes. We, weird flex, but okay. Yeah, I mean, speaking of that, actually, you could make a case. I've actually heard some philosophers make a case that Socrates possibly didn't really exist. Well, I think um, I think the standard to which a lot of atheists bring to the Jesus question, whether Jesus exists, and then conclude he didn't, when applied to Socrates, he didn't. Like, right. with that same standard, that, no, then you would have to conclude that he also didn't exist. Right, because we only he hear about Socrates in the writings of other people. Basically, right. Yeah. Right. Socrates didn't write anything himself. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Lots of people didn't write things, you yeah. know, you understand? Yeah. But anyway, who is Jesus to you? I, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis, I'm not sure. On like a more meta, you know, obviously Jesus has impacted the world in a huge, huge way that has affected where where you and I both sit today. Um, I mean, Christianity has impacted the world more than any other religion. And for better or worse. For better yes. or worse, exactly. So, uh, you know, that, and that comes into it too. Like, Jesus is tainted for me in a way, but I, I, can, yeah. I, can, I can differentiate Jesus from his followers, especially followers in America, especially followers like on the MAGA right or something. I can sure. distance that, but it's still, there's some sort of tainting. It leaves a bad taste in your mouth. So I can't, I can't mm -hmm. ever approach Jesus tabula rasa. I can't ever approach him without my lens and context and experience with those who claim to follow him. Um, mm -hmm. But I mean, Jesus is, is as interesting a figure as any other human figure in the history of the world. Yeah. At the same time. Yeah. I think it's really challenging. Um, this is something that in our square one group, we, we spend like two weeks on Jesus um, near the beginning. I think it's weeks three and four. <clears throat> and, I think week one, uh, sorry, week three is um, sort of like Jesus without religion or politics. And it's trying to sort of strip away all those layers, right, of Jesus that have been sort of branded um, to go along with specific theologies or political outlooks or agendas or things like that. So, which is not easy to do. It's really tough to strip all that away and say, okay, what are we left with? What's, what's real? Um, and I think then, then week four, we talk about, um, how the, the concept of who Jesus was, you can see a progression of this, uh, idea of who Jesus was happening almost in real time in, in the gospels themselves, because Jesus in the gospel of Mark, uh, is not the same as, you know, let's say that was the earliest gospel, um, you know, you it would be it would be radically you know out there for to introduce the idea uh, that Jesus you know was the pre-existent logos who created the universe. Like that's not who Jesus is in Mark. 
Like John's uh, gospel, Jesus. John's Jesus is much yeah. different is what you're saying. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. The, so there's a, there's a definitely a gap or, or a spectrum, I should say, like there's a progression. Yeah. Progression is a better word. There's a progression of, of uh, developed understanding of, or ideas about who Jesus is. If you start from Mark and you, and you go to John, uh, you yeah. can see that change. Let me ask you this, uh, and I know it's not a narrative per se, but what do you, what do you think Jesus? What do you think Thomas's Jesus is like based on the sayings? And, and again, it's mm-hmm. not like for those who aren't aware. I, I sound like a dick saying that, but um, in the Gospel of Thomas, there's not like it's not like the Synoptic Gospels where you get a story and you get a tale and you right. get miracles and you get teachings and all this mm-hmm. it's basically just a collection of sayings 114 of them i found out as i was designing <laughs> this long ass book um okay but but what jesus can you build from that if any yeah no no that's a it's a great question um because it is radically different yes there are no there yeah thomas is not a gospel in the sense that it's not uh there's no there's no birth narrative there's no stories um there's no Lord's Supper, crucifixion, second coming, apocalyptic, nothing, nothing. It's literally just Jesus said, Jesus said, Jesus said. Um, but some of the things that Jesus says in the Gospel of Thomas challenge this, these notions that he was uh, the unique son of God. Um, for example, there's uh, the things that Jesus says in Thomas are usually um, telling his disciples, telling us um, that the light is in us. Um, or that we are uh, connected to the divine, right? That that um, then there's even a place specifically where I think Thomas calls Jesus master, and Jesus says, "I'm not your master." Um, so Jesus actually is denying even that title. I mean, so imagine if they had called him Messiah or Lord or you know the Logos, right? He'd be yeah. like, "What? No, no, no! I'm not. That's not who I am." Um, he, it, it, Jesus, and Thomas seems to be more interested in helping his disciples and helping the people that are reading his sayings, um, helping them realize their own divinity and their own connection to the divine. But doesn't that kind of make sense? Like, because these are like teachings that you, it's like your closest knit friends behind the scenes after they've done all the work. Like it's not the stuff you're going to talk about with everyone. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's a much more human Jesus, although he definitely is talking about sort of spiritual and divine things, but mm-hmm. again, it's not, yeah, you don't see, he's not doing miracles. The disciples, I mean, the disciples do often slip into this sort of worship posture, mm-hmm. but then Jesus is always denying that and correcting that and not allowing that. Um, which again, so yeah, there is something going on there where Jesus, yeah, he seem, seems to be not, um, <clears throat> not in favor of some of these later ideas that elevate Jesus uniquely as, you know, this divine. And that's how I kind of see Jesus for me today is like, yeah, I started there where Jesus is like this unique thing that we, he's completely other. Right. Mm -hmm. And then now it's more like he models a way of being in the world. Yes. But it's not like, I mean, so do a lot of people. Maybe he was just first, which mm-hmm. is which is great to talk about. But I, I kind of, I'm on the trajectory of like greater, he says greater things will we'll do than him. So let's yes. focus on 
let's focus on those things. <laughs> that's so yeah. that's where Jesus is to me is like I think I think if I understand Jesus correctly, he would be like, stop, stop worrying about me. I did my thing. Like, go do what I fucking told you to do. I put the fucking in there, but he, you know, <laughs> go fucking do what I told you to do. Stop worrying about me. Stop talking about me. Stop worshiping me. Yeah. Like, we don't want to write yeah. him out of the history books, obviously, but it's like, go do the things I told you to do. Right. Yeah, exactly. No, and I, that's one of the things I really appreciate about... Jesus and Thomas is that that is what I come across with. I, I come, mm. it comes across to me as um, a very human teacher um, who had some ideas that were really important that he knew would radically impact and change the behaviors and the, uh, and the mindsets of the people, you know, his disciples for the, for the better, for the good, um, not just for themselves, but then, you know, if these ideas continue to percolate and permeate, these people and the, and the, the culture around them, that it would have a, a radical change, a positive change on the culture. Mm-hmm. So he definitely had, you know, things he wanted to say and wanted to teach and ideas he wanted to communicate, but it was really more about whether or not they get it or we get it right. Do right. we live this out? Do we understand that there is no separation between us and anyone else um, that they understand that we should be able to see the spark of the divine in everyone in ourselves and in everyone else around us, right? That, that how important this is. Yeah. Um, like, like when you read Thomas that way, and this is what I'm encouraging people to do, obviously, in, the, in my book, um, even some of the sayings of Jesus that, like about half of them, you know, appear in the Synoptic Gospels. So the other half of them are unique. But even the ones that you you know you may be familiar with from the synoptic gospels when you when you take those sayings out of the narrative framework out of the story uh, that that they're dropped into in the other gospels when it's just a saying and it's always in the now in the context of okay he's trying to say something about our divine one, oneness our divine unity our connection interconnectedness with one another and with with the divine so even then when you read a statement for example very familiar statement like um you know um if if uh, the blind lead the blind, you know they both end up in a pit or something like that. Like in the synoptic gospels, that it's it's told in a way, it's dropped it's dropped into a narrative conversation, so that your only way of understanding that statement is uh, make sure you choose really really good gurus, right? Have a spiritual guide who can see. Um, that's what you come up with. At least that's what I came up with when I read those in the, in the gospels in the regular gospels, but in the gospel of Thomas separated from that kind of context and, and dropped into the idea of, okay, everything he's saying is about our divine connection and unity. Then when Jesus is saying like, if the blind lead the blind, they both end up into a pit. It's sort of like, Oh, I think what he's saying is don't have a guide. Like the only people that need a guide are the blind. Are you blind? Do you need a guide? Okay. Well then I guess you're blind. But it, because but if your eyes are open and you can see and you know and you understand the truth for yourself, you you don't end up in a pit because you're not being led by anybody else, right? Because um, you can see, and I, again, so it's things like that, it just it just helps to really um, recontextualize some of those sayings, even the familiar ones, in a very different way. Yeah, uh, Michael Machuga has described it as like if you're you're carrying your canoe and you get in the canoe and you get down the river and you go down the river and you go to the other side 
at some point you don't need to carry the canoe any longer. Um, So that's kind of where, that's where I see Christianity. That's where I see even Buddhism. Like they're not, I don't want to use the word crutch because that has a negative connotation, but really crutches are, they shouldn't be, it shouldn't be a negative connotation. Like sometimes we need those things to move about. Um, But they're not, they're pointers. They're not the thing itself. And so that's how I see Jesus too. Jesus is not the life and times and events as recorded as accurately. Let's assume it's all accurate about Jesus. That's another whole question too. Yeah, that's another question. Um, <laughs> let's just assume for sake of argument, that's not the thing that that guy was pointing toward. Yes. His life pointed towards something else, which incidentally was inside, which incidentally is in all of us. Yes. Um, so that's like when we when we realize that, yeah, it does become more like you are your own master, if that's the right, if that's the right, right. language. That right. that has then, that has again, that has negative connotation in America too, master and and there's racial connotations, sure. but as far as sure. the, the you know, um, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I do think yeah that that's exactly right. I think that's exactly right. I think that's the and this is the um, the troublesome sort of uh, uh, arrangement or you know re- relationship between teachers and students, right? Uh, especially today, like in, in the religious context, in the Christian context, um, evangelical Christian context, we have this idea that if someone teaches you something, they're an authority over you. And, and by the way, the Bible never, ever says that. The Bible never suggests if it's a man that the person who teaches, who teaches you something, something right? It's a man. Yeah. But the, that, that idea is completely invented and imported and assumed by modern Western American Christians. The Bible never says that. It's not, you know, if, if someone teaches you something, that person does not have authority over you. Um, and so because we do that, we transfer that, this, we transfer authority to people that teach us something, right? And so when we do that with Jesus, again, we end up making, oh, Jesus is Lord and Jesus is, is uh, is the son of God. And Jesus is, you know, incarnate and all this stuff, mm-hmm. incarnate deity. Uh, we, we elevate the teacher to this level, but again, I, I, Jesus was not intending that. I don't think at least let's just say in Thomas, that's not what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And he's resisting that idea. He's like, no, I want to teach you something. So yes, we appreciate. Thank you, Jesus, for pointing these things out to us that if you didn't point them out, we wouldn't see them. We, so we need someone, Jesus or somebody, Buddha or Socrates or somebody to show us something that we don't see. But once we see it, it's like the canoe, right? Okay. Thank you. I got across the river. Thank you, canoe. But now I, I, I can leave the canoe and move on. And, and that seems to be what Jesus is uh, all about in the yeah. gospel of Thomas. And, and you leave the canoe for people who might need the canoe also. Too, yeah. The because, next person. <laughs> and that's how I see like a lot of my books too. I'm never going to, I'm never going to read some of my older books just Ever. Right. I'm not going to read probably any of my books ever, but once you're done, you're done. Yeah. But the, I mean, I'm not going to look at them and say like, oh, this is what I'm thinking about today or ever. Yes. I'm not thinking of the content. I'm not thinking of what's inside of Heretic or From the Blood of Abel. Yeah. But they're a valuable book for people when they're at those spaces, when those are the things that they're thinking about. Mm-hmm. And so... Yes, I'm analogizing my books to the life of Jesus Christ. 
But I think you have to have that confidence as a, no. um, of course. But I mean, the point being is like, it's important. It's important for people and Jesus is important for people. And to a degree is important for me. I just, I don't find myself thinking about him unless it's for having conversations like these, but on a normal day to day basis, yeah. it's not at the forefront. But I will say that the things I've learned from him are at the forefront of what I'm trying to do and how I'm trying to live. Yeah, exactly. Trying to care about, yeah, no, the, I mean, you know, the disenfranchised and the people, yeah. the marginalized and lift up those people. And so. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I think there's, um, so I, I guess we're, I guess we're kind of answering this question. Uh, <laughs> who is Jesus to us? Uh, I mean, I think we're you and I would agree we're we're moving away from this idea of Jesus as this unique son of God and uh that kind of thing. And and yeah, I guess what I can say uh for me, I'll just say for myself, I, I, I see Jesus as uh I do think he was a wise teacher. I do think he had insight about things that are spiritual and that were really uh important. I think these ideas of our of everyone having the divine spark within them, everyone having a shared uh, divinity and a shared consciousness and a shared uh, uh, connection with humanity. I think those ideas are really important. And I think those are the kinds of ideas that will quote unquote, save us mm -hmm. uh, that will help us solve problems like racism, yeah. uh, you know, violence, war, genocide, uh, poverty, you know, all these kind of things, because you cannot other someone if if you really do look at them and see either yourself and or you see you see the divine in mm. that other person. Mm -hmm. So it's really important. And so I think, but I, I'm very grateful for Jesus for that message. I think that's powerful. But again, I think we said this in the previous episode. Um, I can appreciate that Jesus says those things, and I love that he points those things out. I love the way he does that. I love his his. Uh, parables and his illustrations. I love the Sermon on the Mount. I think those are powerful. But again, let's acknowledge and admit Jesus wasn't the only person to point these things out. There were other yeah, people before him and after him. And that's and that's the danger, I think, is within we idolized that yes. that figure, which is the great irony, which is what he would mm -hmm. never want. Like that's kind of like what if there's one thing the Bible is pretty clear about, it's like let's not let's not make an idol of things or yes. people. Um yeah. so it's like I think it's more. I think it, I think it reveres Jesus more, and it takes away some of the danger of making Jesus an idol. Not to like diminish him when you put him up next to other great teachers and wisdom teachers and and all mm -hmm. that. But I think then it at least takes away the the danger of making that figure into something we worship and not someone we follow. Right. Yeah, it's exactly right. I think that is the danger, and I think mm -hmm. definitely. Unfortunately, early on, at least within the first hundred years uh, of, of what has become Christianity, mm -hmm. um, there was a very strong desire and movement to elevate Jesus into this person who needed to be worshipped. Um, and I think that was a mistake. You know, I think I get it. I understand it's human nature. We This is the, something we do. But I think it was – I think it's something – it was a mistake, and I think it's something that Jesus himself wasn't interested in. He, Jesus was not trying to create a new religion. Um, you know, there's that meme that, you know, Buddha was not a Buddhist. 
Jesus was not a Christian. Um, the uh, I mean, again, we see these examples. It's so funny because we see these examples in the Gospels that when people attempt to to worship Jesus, when people attempt to elevate Jesus, when it's people gather around him, yeah, yeah, to to make him the ruler, to make him the king, or to you know to make him uh, this guru, he runs. Mm-hmm. He's he's running from these people, so it's the last thing he wants. He's that's not, not what he wants at all. He's not trying to do this. It's we're the ones who do it. We can't help but make like celebrity out of people. That's exactly it. And it's unfair to them, but too. But then celebrity turns into worship, right? It, yeah. it, it, in the beginning, it's celebrity, but then slowly celebrity turns into worship, right? And we can almost see the beginnings of that, right, in our own lifetime with, like, people, certainly not to the degree of Jesus, but but like Elvis, right? There are people, no, I think... he's dead and gone, but there are people that, I mean, I know people that literally yeah. just have Elvis everywhere and, you know. Yeah, but I know I do think I think honestly Trump has gotten the second close. Oh gosh, as yes. closest because I, I mean I didn't go to like a Pentecostal or a um, rah rah sort of church. It's pretty tame. Yeah, but I never seen so much excitement for someone in church than than I seen at a Trump rally for Trump. And you so, see the hysteria and the paranoia, and not the paranoia, but the, the hysteria no, the paranoia too. <laughs> Yeah, well, paranoia too. But the, the, these levels of like, you know, if he says it, you know, they'll and it's something negative, they'll find a way. His followers will find a way to make it positive, or just deny it. Oh, it, no, he never he never said that. No, that's not true. Well, well if that's it came good. down to what he said and what Trumps or what Trump says and what Jesus says, they'll pick Trump. So that's that's what I'm saying. Like, that's right. We will. We it's will a religious create thing. People, yeah. people, and, and it, it kind of goes back to like why I don't. I can't hold Jesus accountable for all his followers when it's gone literally opposite of what he said. Like we, that's right. I know we got to be responsible for some of the things we say, but they've literally gone opposite. So I have to yep. differentiate Jesus from his followers. Um, I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> I had a point. Well, Trump, I, had, right? I had a point to make. I swear. Uh, well, the, the the cult of Trump, right? Uh, I think that's a great point. I mean, you're right. I think Trump is definitely the one uh, that we're watching happen. And, and look how quickly it's happened, right? Just in like four or five years. I, again, this is what I've also seen about it that that's really insane to me is like with like I have family members and friends who before 2016, right, hated Trump. Um, did not want to vote for him, even said when they did vote for him because he became the nominee. Number one, they couldn't believe that he became the nominee. They were they were flabbergasted, like, really? This guy's gonna get the nomination. And then when they voted for him, said I they held their nose when they went to vote for him. Like, I'm gonna vote for him, but I don't really like him. He's just better than their minds, he's better than Hillary, right? Um, but but people in the so in the beginning who voted for him, who didn't like him, who who voted for him, sort of like, well, whatever. That within a year or two, they were defending him. He could do no wrong. Um, anything he said or did, they would defend him. Well, Even things the, like, you know, grabbing women by the pussy and all that. Like, yeah. none of that fazed them at all. It's the none deification of, of the victim. Trump was yeah. the victim, initially the victim of, it was, it was kind of like the, the anti-Bernie Sanders, right? He was, Bernie yeah. Sanders was the victim of the Democratic Party. Trump was the victim or attempted victim of the Republican Party who were trying to get rid of him in the primaries. Yes, and then when he 
you know, fought through all of them and won, then he became kind of deified. And now, now he's creating two. And, and I think, um, not that we're comparing Trump and Jesus, but since Christians worship both, um, I think Jesus understood where that goes. I think that's kind of like the yeah. temptation narrative. Like yes, if Jesus, exactly if right. Jesus and Trump were sitting on, you know, in the desert in that, in Luke three and four, and G, you know, Trump was definitely like, "Yes, I want all that shit." Bring it on! Oh, Bring you can't, on. you do me? You do what? Are you kidding I'll, me? I'll do that. I'll do that. I'll bow down. Sure. Mm-hmm. And then, so Jesus understood that, and that's why I think, like, what is it, John six, when the crowds are around him, he's just like, "Get mm-hmm. me out of here!" Because if I become this sort of cult-like figure, yeah. rise to prominence, it's not going to go well. It's not going to. It's not. It's not going to be according to what he's trying to do. That's right. Yeah. And in his lifetime, right, we see Jesus, he starts off with 12, he ends up with one. Um, <laughs> it's only after the crucifixion and then, yeah. you know, the resurrection stuff where it suddenly it explodes and becomes this big thing because now he's not directly there to, to say, no, guys, don't do this. Don't listen. You know, they don't, don't take it in this direction. Um, but when he was alive and walking around and, and they were trying to do that to him, he was actively saying, no, don't do that. Yeah. Really interesting. So yeah, Jesus is an in, he, Jesus is fascinating enough to not worship him and just study him, and then yeah. he had a lot of great ideas and thing and ways in which that I mean the whole narrative, like the whole myth of it, I think gets mm-hmm. us out of our regular myths. I mean that's another right. part of Jesus too is like we can't know the person for sure, but the myth right. reads as such where we can start doing better in society and telling our stories in a better way to know that like we can't can't keep victimizing people we have to stand with the marginalized these systems of power have to have to come down otherwise they're going to come down on themselves um which is what we also see after jesus's life so i think there's a lot there's a lot there that it's (laughs) was was jesus born of a virgin or yeah, it's like, like oh my why God. does that matter why, why so is that boring what like every so many conversations were so boring in church when i was in there like oh my god what's yeah but like it's a good point so the, the things that christians his followers right um the things they're interested in about jesus that they want to talk about and argue about and debate are things like that was he born of a virgin um you know did he feed the five thousand? Uh, did he raise Lazarus from the dead? Did he raise from the dead? Can we prove he rose from the dead? Like those are the things they want to talk about. They don't want to debate and discuss, was Jesus anti-wealth? Was Jesus anti-empire? Was Jesus anti-violence? Like, no, they don't want to talk about that because that's the stuff he actually taught about and argued about, but that, that, that stuff makes them uncomfortable. And so they'll deny that Jesus was anti-wealth, even, even though he constantly is saying, woe to the wealthy, right? Woe to you who are rich. Um, even though he's constantly elevating the poor and 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 criticizing those people that are wealthy, uh, even though he's anti-empire, he's anti-violence, right? They the, the, those things they don't like, so they that's why now it's sort of the distraction. Well, we don't want to talk about that. Let's talk about whether or not Jesus said this or did this or was born I, of a virgin. Imagine or, having or, such a cool story and like being like, what did it? It had to literally happen for it to be important, or yes. we have to have these conversations. Like, could you imagine like? If I was, if I did, you're like, oh, Matt's doing this whole thing on the Lord of the Rings and he's going to have this book come out. And in my book, I argue that the events of the Lord of the Rings had to literally happen for them to be important. <laughs> like imagine right. how disappointed everyone would be like, 
Oh my God, Matt. I, th- I thought you were doing like actual cool work. <laughs> like this is ridiculously stupid. Yeah. Like that's, no, that's no, what's happening. No, like Frodo existed and here's the evidence. There's archaeological evidence. Right. Of, we of went, we, the, Mount the, Doom the, is really <laughs> Mount uh, Kilimanjaro. I like, what the fuck are you talking about, dude? Yeah, yeah, no, no. There's there's a race of, of uh, hobbit-like creatures that lived in New Zealand. And, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and and that's what we do with the Bible. It's like instead of like, wow, we've got one of the or the greatest mythology of all time. So obviously, there's a story to tell there. There's truths to be found, and yeah. we're asking the dumbest questions about it instead of reading the whole thing and being like, oh, it's like kind of like Jewish rabbis do. Like they have the whole narrative yes. in mind, and then they talk about it. And they come up with their interpretation of what's going on here and how it relates to them now. Right. Yeah, it's a, it's a great point because like they're, we're, we're asking the wrong questions, right? We're saying, is it true And the, in the sense of these historical um, implications? Like, and if not, then none true? of it can mean true? anything. Right. But we're not asking, is it true that the poor are blessed? Is it true that right. we should turn the other cheek? Is right. it true? Like... We're saying, is it true that Jesus rose bodily from the grave? Is it true, um, you know, that that Thomas stuck his finger in the side? Like, but you're not asking, is it true that the things he said that were that actually it, were radical? Like, well, is that true? Is it true right? that I'm supposed to sell all of my shit, give the money I make from it to the poor, right. and is it true that we're supposed to do that? Is it yeah, true that that, to, yeah. that I'm supposed to turn the other cheek? Is that mm-hmm. true? Is that true? That's the that's the what we should be asking. I mean, what and a no one wants to ask that. What a different. I mean, like, so, okay, so let's say that we always talk about the virgin birth in church, and whether that has to be happen literally or not. Well, let's say one way it does and one way it doesn't. It literally happened or it literally didn't. It literally doesn't make a difference to your life right now. <laughs> right. But if Jesus did literally mean to turn the other cheek. To bless those who curse you, mm-hmm. then we better damn sure do it because he, I mean, I mean, he was, there's no question about that unless you say he really didn't say those things. Right. There's a no, question about right. a virgin birth. There's that myth that's not in all the gospels. It's, you know, it's, right. it's, 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 it's all over the place. It's one of those contradictions that people like to point to. I put that's that right. in air quotes, contradictions. Yeah. Instead of but like, that's no, the, that's but the what's the, what's yeah, the that, teaching of Jesus? That literally, he that came out of his mouth, it seems like he literally said to bless those who curse you. That's right. How many times are we asking that question if we're Christians? Almost never. <laughs> or, or what, kind, see, of, or what like, kind of system are we supposed to live in? Like, can, yeah. can, you, can you really, can you really, and this is a tough question for myself too, can you really be a capitalist and follow Jesus, or at least follow the early Christians, how they interpreted Jesus. Because it seems super radical to where, like, I, I don't even know if I could live and move and have my being in America while doing that unless I lived with some fucking commune or some shit. No, no. So that's a great point, right? And, and uh, David Bentley Hart makes that gr- exact point in his New Testament um, translation. I think it's in the beginning introduction section. He talks about that. He says that these early Christians were so radical that they would be, it's offensive to us, that none of us would actually none want to join them. If we lived back then, no, no, no American capitalist would, Christian would be like, I want to join those people. No, no you would not. You would want nothing yeah. to do with people like that because the implications of those teachings, right, of selling. So again, Jesus did, did say, I would say it's, it's historically true 
that Jesus really did say, you know, sell what you have and give it to the poor. And guess what? In the book of Acts, they did that that's, what, that's what they did. They yeah. exactly, that's exactly what they did. People right. who, were, who were rich, who had property, when they saw that people around them were poor, they sold that property it, and they lowered themselves yeah. closer to the poverty level along with So they were in solidarity with people in poverty right. rather than saying, oh, get a job and be like me, become rich like me, which is what we say. They were saying the opposite. No, no, I'm going to let go of my money. I'm going to sell things. I'm going to become closer to being poor like you are. And and that the implications of that, it really is socialism. Like the only way that would continue to work is if eventually everybody became that kind of a follower of Jesus where everybody was willing to say, let's share everything. And now we have a system where um, there is enough for everybody, but only if we all share. Yeah, it's it's. Um, I I actually I think it's voluntarist communism. That's my. It is. It's voluntary. It's not. It's not imposed. It's right. It's a voluntarist communistic society, and it is deeply, deeply offensive for Christians in America today to warn of us being a communist country. <laughs> right. When you read the Book of Acts, like stop it, please. Like you are so out of touch and just dumb. Like there's right. nothing communistic about this country. Like yes, this is a capitalist no. country with a with some 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 version of socialism. There is some socialism, but, but so we, far but, most but of the socialism. socialism is for the rich. It's well, yeah, but there's been a lot of socialism for a long time. We haven't been too worried about well, it because you know social security, yeah. Medicare, social Medicaid. Security. That's all a form yeah, of a yeah. type of social public, program. Public education. That's you know. But really, let's let's. I mean, you are just deeply defensive and stupid if you say if you're worried about us being communists when you know we saw what voluntary communism is in the bible that's what they were i'm not that doesn't mean i endorse a, a communist state sure. i don't right. there's a difference no. between a state and right. the way the the early christians lived i wouldn't i wouldn't make the argument because they were voluntarist communists therefore let's model the state after that that's no i would not do that's that that's very different yeah <laughs> No, that's, I agree. I mean, uh, yeah, when it's a state-sponsored communism, then we we know but that's, historically those don't work. Yeah, but if it's I a voluntary see. one that people, I mean, what it says in the book of Acts is that they were motivated by love for one another, which again yeah. is going back to what Jesus is saying, right? Love your enemy. Oh, how can you love your enemy? Because when you see your enemy, you don't see your enemy, you see yourself or you see the divine, that divine spark in that other person, that other human being. And so when you believe that and you're living that out, the the fruit of that is, um, you're you're so filled with love and compassion for your fellow man that it, it compels you. That love compels you to share what you have with other people. And so it's it's motivated by this love that Jesus talks about, um, not by some state sponsored thing. You must do this. You have to do this. Uh, that's a bad idea. Yeah, I'd be worried about any state sponsored stuff. Um, yeah, it gets worrisome. But um, but that doesn't. Uh, that's again. That's not a glowing endorsement of a capitalist system either. Um, I mean, to have any, to use the word master again, the master of the state or the master of the corporation, it's, um, you know, not a good thing. So I won't quote run the jewels on here because I don't want to say kill your masters because that's violent, but, um, but, uh, but you know, listen to run the jewels, listen to run the jewels. But metaphorically, so I I, I think you could say. I would well, say that would be that master. would be the meaning. That would be the meaning of yes, when, in the sense of like, because like I'm always saying, like I said this on the last episode, right? You know, don't have any gurus, right? 
So you, know, you could say metaphorically, kill your guru. Like, well, right? I mean, it's. I think. It, I think it's the meaning of. I think it's the same meaning of like if if you see someone that claims to be Buddha, kill him. Yes, if you meet Buddha on the road, kill him. Right. right. That's a quote. There you go. That's right. No, it's exactly right. Yeah, I think it's that idea of like we don't. We it's a bad idea to have uh, a master, uh, whether it's even if it's someone. And this here's a, here's a radical idea. Um, but I think this is the, I could support this from the from the life and the teachings of Jesus. It's a bad idea for you to have a guru, even if it's Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like Jesus would say that. Jesus would say like you know, don't make me your guru. I'm not your master. That's what he says in Thomas. Um, just get what I'm saying. Understand the the message that I'm trying to give you. Yeah. And once you get that message, you don't need a guru anymore. You don't need someone to to carry you around and you know lead you around by the hand as if you're blind. Because now you can see for yourself. I'd say because it's all a simulation, man. It's all, it's, we're in the matrix. We are in the And, and again, a lot of fight. quantum scientists think that too. That, that simulation theory, uh, it's wild. But I mean, I've, I there's a really great video on that on YouTube about the simulation theory. And it quotes like everybody from Neil deGrasse Tyson to, um, I can never think of their names, but there's several like pretty well-known uh, quantum scientists that I've seen on you know, a bunch of different shows. Brian something. And then, uh, yeah, I, there's the guy, who's the guy that's real smiley? You know what I'm talking about? The guy that's like, he's really happy and smiley all the time. I think I know who you're talking about. I can't think of his name. Anyway, but him and a bunch of other people. Terrible with names. And they're all saying like, there's, there's a better than 50% chance that we're living in a simulation right now. So you're saying there's a chance. There's a chance. Pretty big chance, apparently. Well, either we're going to, either we're going to die and be yeah. like, just be like, well, okay. You wake up in your pod. <laughs> That's gonna be weird. Get out of it. You pull the tube out of your nose. Fuck. What the hell? Jesus Christ, that was fucking weird. That seemed. That was weird. awesome. Let's do that's, it again. I think Let's that's go what. Again. No, I think I'm gonna. No, I think that's kind of what it is. We were like, "Holy shit, that felt real." That felt real. That's right. We're like, "I'm not ready to do yeah. that in a while." <laughs> yeah, let's take a break. Yeah. <laughs> Look over, and be like, "Oh, you were an asshole. I remember you." <laughs> wake him up out of their pod and get out of here. Yeah, what are you doing, man? Yeah, um, that's probably closer to it than you get up there and then you, you're judged and you go to either the good place or the bad yes. place. Yeah. That seems that seems silly. It really does. Uh, I, well, to me, it does. I, I, again, I understand that some ancient people, that's the way they understood <clears throat> the afterlife. But I think um, we can, we have permission to think about that and decide, do we believe that? And what reasons are there to believe that that's what happens because again, um, none of no one's ever actually gone through that and then come back to tell us about that, right? So these are ideas. These are ideas, these are thoughts. I mean, some people. Well, I think it's cool. I, th- I think if, I think NDEs are kind of like interesting to talk about. I would put I would put some stock in people's experiences. You know. Yeah. Yeah, but, but see, but I would tread very lightly. I would tread very yeah. lightly. Yeah, I, I do. I, I I put an asterisk in those. I mean, I find that I think it's fascinating that there are thousands of people um, from many different cultures, Christian and non-Christian um, cultures, and they all kind of seem to have very similar stories, at least in the sense of leaving your body, traveling through the tunnel, encountering the bright light of love and acceptance and, uh, you know, and... Um, it honestly sounds like DMT from what I've... And, th- and that's the thing, too. It also sounds wow. like uh, mushrooms and DMT and... and More DMT and, and so, ayahuasca. So that's, and ayahuasca, yeah. So let's think about that, right? So why is it that 
everybody has these very similar experiences. And why does it line up with, again, some of the things that Jesus is saying in Thomas and the things that we hear from, you know, other mystics? Like people say uh, that Jesus went back east. I think he was just maybe tripping at one point and then had some realization and was like, wow, that helped me figure some shit out. Yeah, I think it's extremely possible that Jesus was aware of some of the teachings of Buddha because there was the Silk Road that went from. And I'd say it'd be more uh, likely that he was tripping on drugs than than maybe went all the way back east. Maybe he did both. Well, and yeah, and there's, you know, there's that book where the guy published a book recently about how um, in that in the first century was very common to mix wine with other things, including uh, things like mushrooms and uh, stuff like that. So it's very likely that even early Christians, when they were taking the Eucharist and were drinking the wine, were having kind of like, you know, trips. They were, they were tripping. Tripping balls, man. And I think that's likely. It's possible. I've tripped and... Then, then you read the Gospel of Thomas, and you're like, "Oh shit!" Ah. <laughs> the guy's what is it? What is yeah. it? You see, it's those the deep magic, and then the deeper magic. Yeah, something like that. It's like this is the deepest shit. This is that deep, yeah. deep shit. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I don't know. I, I again, I've spent the last year and a half diving into Thomas, and uh, I love it. I think it's really, really great. So, and then we have another idea for. Um, a more canonical yeah. book to talk about maybe right? should we talk about that because i think that's a fun idea and yes. i think we could probably let's uh, end with that. that let's announce that we're writing a book together jesus help us all actually i should yes. say paul help us given the nature of the of the book that's that's a great point so yeah that's i think about that yeah we've we've co-edited books together but we have never co-written a book together so this will be interesting this but, um, will be interesting so i had the, the idea i had this idea the other day um you know, so I've written some things on Romans in the past. I've written several blog posts that are still going around about how people read Romans the wrong way because they misunderstand prosopopoeia. They don't know what prosopopoeia is. Um, it's not very well known. And then I've had almost at least once a month, uh, I think that's fair to say, about once a month, somebody who reads one of those posts will send me a message and say, Keith, are you aware of any uh, copies of the Book of Romans that actually break out the dialogues between, you know, Paul, the apostle, and Saul, the teacher of the law, which are these sort of two personas having the, the prosopopoeia debate uh, all through Romans. And I said that I'm, a, I'm not aware of anything in print that, that does that. So my thought was, what if, you know, uh, I get, well, I pitched it to you and you were like, hey, let's do it together. Because you also have written a, whole, a bunch of stuff on Romans as well. Yeah. And there's a, well, and there, and there, there are some, a bunch of stuff in print. But a lot of it, I'd say most of it, if not all of it, is is in academia. Yeah. And I know Douglas Campbell has done more popular um, books based on his Deliverance of God, which is like 1,200 pages. Yeah. But that doesn't mean it shouldn't. It's not going to be entirely. I mean, we're going to have different focuses. We have different. Sure. And I and yeah. I think we will have some cool ways of doing it that'll be unique that will. Yeah. Maybe we'll start so with Romans. We can go on to different books eventually. We'll become the uh, there you go. the Paul guys. The Paul guys. The Paul no, guys. actually, you know that's a good point. That could be. I, I like the idea of the Romans one, just because Romans, Romans I think is so misunderstood, especially by you know the Gospel Coalition guys. Uh, they love Romans, but for the wrong reasons. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
So I want to be able to publish a book that says, hey, guys, here's how Paul really intended you to read uh, Romans. This is this is what it's really trying to tell you. And here's what you're missing, um, which are some pretty powerful things like the two for me, the two big things I want to point out uh, in, in this book is number one, that Romans chapter one is not an anti-gay uh, chapter. That's not what he's doing there. Um, and I want to point out that because when you read it, read it through the lens of prosopopoeia, um, that it really, really crescendos at the end of chapter 11 with this universalist statement that God shows mercy on everyone. And then, then had, Paul has this big celebration, you know, all, all the wisdom of the greatness of God, you know, blah, blah, blah. It goes on and on. Um, so, and, and maybe a third thing too, I think Romans 13, uh, I think it's important to point out that Romans 13 is not sort of a pro-empire, uh, pro-government uh, chapter, right? So for me, those are the three major things. And and so in, in addition to that commentary that you and I are going to provide on Romans, we want to actually include the entire text of Romans with um, the prosopopoeia actually marked out. Because again, the, on the popular level, the average person isn't doesn't have access to that kind of thing. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. So we got to figure out how we're going to write it, how, you know, all, all the ins and outs and all that. But yeah, yeah, it'll be fun. I think it'll provide a cool commentary for Romans. Galatians is another, my, is another one of my favorites as well. Which one? Galatians. I was going to say, yeah, uh, other, other Paul books, Galatians would be cool. Like I love Ephesians and Colossians. Now that's pseudo Paul. Yeah. Um, but there's, I'd like to do those too. Well, Galatians is we great. start with Romans and, and we go from there. Start with Romans. But what I love about Galatians is um, just how snarky Paul is in Galatians. Like yeah. he's really pissed off in that book. I like it. Yeah, you really get a lot of attitude from Paul in Galatians. And it's obvious why. So it's cool. Like it goes. He's pretty pissed off. Like if you read Galatians and then like a lot of reformed Christians, especially like they'll go to Romans uh, nine. They'll talk about Jacob oh. and Esau. They'll talk yes. about two groups, like the ones I've hated, the ones I've loved. I mean, and yes. then you go to Paul and what you go to back to Paul in Galatians and you're like, well, when it comes down to like having two groups, the kosher and the non-kosher, the circumcised and the uncircumcised and the Gentile, it's like, no, Paul's really pissed about this two group stuff. So why are we putting Paul back into this two group camp? That's right. And yeah. it's like, yeah, that's the irony about, of it. Yeah. Yeah. In Galatians, that's where he makes this radical statement um, that, you know, in, you know, in Christ, there is no Jew or Gentile, male or female, slave or free, rich or poor. Uh, he, he's, he's demolishing all those distinctions. Yeah. And one of my favorite things that it's going to be, it's not going to be on in Romans, it's Galatians. Another reason why I want to do Galatians eventually. Um, I mean, I love um, like Galatians 3.13, where it says that anyone, anyone who's hung on a tree is cursed. Mm -hmm. But in Deuteronomy, it says everyone hung on a tree is cursed by God. And so I find it interesting right. that Paul omits that kind of stuff when he quotes it. He takes out the by God part. Yeah. Yeah. So he really starts to unravel. We go, we put it back. We, we put it back in the Christian church. <laughs> we put the, right. we put the of God back on there. Um, sorry, Paul, you, you left sorry, that out, buddy. but we'll, you, don't worry. We got you covered. You were bad we'll at exegeting the text. So we're going to help you. Poor Paul. He just Poor didn't Paul. know how to do it. He right? He didn't know how to do it right. <laughs> he wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit like reformed Christians are. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Romans, that'll come out in some someday. Yeah. Someday. Maybe this year. I think we could probably pull it off this year. You Possibly. Think? Maybe by, by Christmas. God, I don't know if I can keep your Before pace, Christmas. buddy. You got to oh, let your books on, breathe. Come on. 
<laughs> I've got Heretic 2 well, to come out this year, too. So uh, so Thomas is coming out in April. When is Heretic 2 coming out for you? I'm going to have it come out on my daughter's birthday, 10-10. Oh, in, oh, in October. October. Yeah, it's already... It's already um, Hmm. October is a it's a Thursday. So do you think we could maybe we could do this Romans thing by summertime, I think. Oh my god. Yeah, because we don't have anything else to do. <laughs> maybe July, something like that. I just I well, like can I we, said, can, if we I, can make I, enough money to where um we can hire someone to edit podcasts for me cuz this rambling okay, on bullshit, I, I got to, you know. Here's what we do. Here okay, I, here's the idea. We do a GoFundMe page. Okay. GoFundMe. You know, raise the money what so we that you and I can for? write this book. Oh, so you just said so we could hire somebody to hire someone. Can we do a GoFundMe to hire someone to edit podcasts? Yes, edit podcasts, and if you want, even to like to do like all it. the stuff that you're doing, so that we can focus on the Romans book. Okay, you write that up. You write that pitch, my friend. All right, I'm I'm going to go create a GoFundMe page right okay. after this. Actually, can you create an outline for Romans so we can start on this project? Okay, I'll I'll do that too. And then, how much do you think we need for the GoFundMe? Like what? Hundred grand. Five hundred thousand. 100 grand? 100 grand. <laughs> I'm cheap. 100 grand. <laughs> I'm like 500. You're like 100. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. All right, everyone. Uh, rate and review this show. If you've made it this far, you already have. We love you. Thanks for listening. Tell one friend this week about this podcast. One friend. Just one friend. Just one. Each one, reach one. Bam. Apostates Anonymous. Do it. Reach one, each one. Did I fuck that up? <laughs> yes, it's, it's re- each one. Reach, Reach out and touch someone consensually. That's right. Today. Please.